Hallelujah. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. There's nobody like the God we serve. Praise you, Jesus. I hope you came in here with hope this morning, with faith. You know, because this God is like no other, we can expect the unexpected. Yeah. When you go to see a doctor, you kind of already know the human limitations of, of man in general. You know, they're probably going to give you some medicine or, you know, some, some treatment. It's the best they can do. And we, we know that about humans. We do the best we can do. And it's limited. Even at our very best, it's limited. But we serve a God who can do the impossible. That means all bets are off. That means, you know, whatever you need, come boldly and ask. Whatever you, you, you can expect, the unexpected. Don't come to God with practicalities. Well, God, maybe if you kind of sort, you know, this kind of wishy-washy people use all those, you know, may possibly at some point be able to do, you know, like, yeah, no, Lord, this is what I need because I know you're able, right? I know you're able. I don't have to come with you wishy-washiness because I know you're able. I hope you came today expecting because we serve a God who's able. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about our hearts. Right? Everybody's got one. If you didn't have a heart, you wouldn't be here this morning. Right? And I'm not necessarily talking about this physical, you know, this, this piece of our anatomy. But this is this inward part of us. You know, this, this thing that God talks about a lot. He talks about our heart. And today I'm going to bring you a very familiar story. So if you didn't bring your Bible, or if you're not very well versed in Bible, it is a popular story. I always encourage you to go back and read for yourself. It's important to read for yourself. Right? Never trust man. <laughs> Any man. Read for yourself. And so I'm going to give you what I, what I came to bring you this morning, but always go back and read. Get the backstory. I'm going to give you a piece of that this morning. So today... I'm going to start with you from 1 Samuel 16. And we're going to pick up in this story where God is about to make a transition. So King Saul, everybody knows King Saul. He was the, the first king of Israel when the people demanded a king. And they wanted a king like everybody else. And God was a little bit, you know, insulted. You know, what am I? Am I not the king of kings? But you want a man? All right. You know, how many of you know God will work with you, even, even when you ask for stupid stuff? I'm just going to call it that way. All right? Even when you ask for things that are insulting to him, he knows how limited we are. He knows how we think and how we see things. And there are times when God will work with us, right? Because he's trying to make a way for us, not, not trying to be an obstacle. Not, he, he works with us. So God, you know, I guess I work with these people. I'm going to give you a king. So God chose a king who started off on the right track. You know, Saul looked the part. And I'll, I'll tell you about why the looking thing pulls in as we go along. And he, he, he appeared to be humble, and, and, and God chose him. But somewhere along the line, Saul decided to do his own thing. Right? Might know somebody like that. Maybe it's yourself. You started off on a good track, and then you, somehow you deviated, and, and Saul began to do his own thing. He, he had a problem following instructions. You know, he, he was halfway. He had an interpretation issue. 
uh, about how he was going to do things. And it came to the point where God said, that's it, enough. I need, I need to make a change here. And that's where we're going to pick up in the story here today when, Saul, when God is talking to the prophet Samuel. And verse 1 says, now the Lord said to Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. So God's ready to do a replacement thing here. But, Saul, but Samuel asks, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. Now, God also does things like that. Now, he hadn't exactly set Saul down at the moment. He was still sort of acting king. When God, you know, I don't know if you know, but God don't have to consult you. When you've been demoted, you know, he, he can just move on. He don't, he don't have to, you know, it's not a conversation you have to have. You know, he, he's positioning things. And so Saul's going about, you know, like he's still king. And, and God's saying, I'm already in motion for another. And so Samuel's in this in-between position here. Because technically Saul's still king, and God is saying, I'm going to send you to anoint me another king. And, 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 and Samuel's like, huh? You know, how's that going to go down? Because if Saul finds out, I'm going to be in trouble. I mean, you know, kings like to hold on to power. They think somebody's going to usurp their power, going to do something to, to bring them down. They might just take you out. And, and Saul was definitely one that would take you out. And David found that out later on, but anyway. So this is why uh, Samuel made that reply. How can I do that? If Saul hears about this, he'll, he'll kill me. So God says, take a heifer with you and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you which one of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. And when he arrived in Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong? They asked. That must have been a thing when the prophet showed up. I guess that was a thing, right? You know, Samuel was powerful. He was one that followed God's instructions. And so I guess when, when Samuel showed up, they said, oh, Lord, what do we do now? Right? Are we in trouble? So they came trembling. <laughs> you know, do you come in peace? And so Saul replied, yes, you know, I, I come in peace. Verse 5 says, um, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. This is what Samuel said to the people. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Now that's interesting, right? He looks at Eliab, one of Jesse's sons, the first son that walks by, and he looks at Eliab and he goes, surely this is the Lord's anointed. From what we read so far, Eliab hadn't said a thing. He hadn't seen Eliab's resume. You know, you're picking a king, you, 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 some kind of qualifications. But, oh, oh, yeah, he looks like he fits the bill. He looks like he fits the bill. Surely this is the Lord's anointed. And the Lord said to Samuel, come on, man. <laughs> Don't. No, he didn't say that. I said that, right? I added that little phrase in there. I, I envision these kind of things. You know, I, I know that, the, the, you know, we read the Bible uh, as this kind of eloquent text, and it really is. And all, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm envisioning how people talk. Maybe I envision how I talk. I but I envision God saying, come on, Samuel. Haven't we spent enough time? You know I don't roll like that. Right? Don't judge by his appearance. For I have rejected him 
Basically, I don't care anything about Eliab's height or how tall Eliab is or any of those things that you guys look for, meaning you, when you look for, for someone who fits the bill. I don't, I don't look on those things. So the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. I'm going to repeat that one more time. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So in the first verse of this text that I read you, we see that God was, had rejected Saul as king of, of Israel. Can somebody say rejected? All right, rejection is not a good thing. If any of you have ever been rejected, you know that's not a good thing. Right? Even if it wasn't by God, even when other humans reject us, even for wrong reasons, it doesn't feel good. So God had rejected Saul as king of Israel. But what led to God, what led God to such a strong action? Right? Rejection is a, is a harsh word. You know? what, what led God to seek another? You see, as I mentioned at the outset, Saul wasn't good at following instructions. Yeah, he tended to interpret terms like, all to mean some. All is a real simple word. In fact, look at it. We got it flanking this pulpit here. All is a real simple word. It means all. It means there's no exclusions. That means there's no exceptions, right? All. So Saul had a problem with that, right? He he took things upon himself uh, for his own reasons, things that were not for him to do, he would do. In fact, The last incident, the one that you and I would say broke the camel's back, was just that. Saul stepped out of his role as king, so to speak, and he stepped into the role of priest. Can somebody say, stay in your lane? We need to learn how to stay in our lanes. Everything is not for us to do. All right, but but, but again, Saul Saul wasn't getting the memo. And so... He, he, in the role of priest, because that's what the priest's job was to do, he, he offered the, uh, he, he sacrificed the burnt offering. And when Samuel, the priest, the one that we read at the outset about, when Samuel, who was the one who was supposed to sacrifice the burnt offering, shows up, he finds that Saul had already done it. And he goes, man, what are you doing? What, don't you, what are you doing? You... King, me, priest, right? You do what you do, and I do what I'm supposed to do, and everything works well. But Saul had his own logic. He had his own reasons. And, 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 and I'm not going to beat up on Saul so much because we operate like that too sometimes. We get in our logic, right? But let me tell you, God is not logical. He, he, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, right? You got to follow instructions. Okay, God knows that that we don't see things the way he sees things. And so, yeah, Saul lashed out. I'm in, in 1 Samuel 13, verse 13 uh, gives us Samuel's response. He goes, how foolish. You have not kept the command of the Lord, your, the Lord your God gave you. And had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. Oh, man. Saul blew big. Like, to the point where God ripped the kingdom from him. God was going to establish this, this kingdom, this lineage forever. And because he couldn't follow instructions, he just couldn't get it right. God said, that's enough. Had you followed my instructions, have you kept the commandments I've given you, 
then I would have established your kingdom forever. In other words, Saul was not aligned with God. The king doesn't ask for our opinions. What, what do you think I should do? Right? Right? The king doesn't ask. Our God is sovereign. Human kings may ask. They may have consultants and all, but not our God. That's why he's a king of kings. He, he's, 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 you know, he, he's got no problem acting on his own because where were you when he created the heavens and the earth? Like, where were you when he started boom, boom, boom? Like, he didn't need to say, well, how should I do this? No, he doesn't ask questions. Saul was not aligned with God. Saul looked kingly. Right? He was tall. He was humble. That's another thing we're bad about, right? When we, as humans, we look on the appearance and we, we you know, we like uh, good-looking folks. All kind of goofy criteria for why we pick people, right? Sometimes it's just that. It's, look, oh, he's handsome. What does handsome have to do with running the kingdom? <laughs> you know, at least easy on the eyes. No. But, you know, even at that, Saul fed Saul, Saul met that bill, but, his, but he was out of sync with God. He was doing his own thing, and he wouldn't be accountable. He, you know, he danced when he got called to the mat. You know, he, he made excuses. You might know people like that. Might be hitting some of y'all right now, right? Oh I, oh, I do it at times, too, trust me. We all in this together. Oh, you nail me. I, I dance. Ask Steve. I, I get real clever on you sometimes. Look at his eyebrow is cocked back there. But, 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 but Saul would do that. But, but he did this in a big way, not just about Ruth. He, he was out of line with God. Somebody say, Saul was out of alignment. I'm going to keep it. All right, would you stay with me this day? And that non-alignment caused God to select a new king. For verse 14 in the same chapter says, but now your kingdom must end. For the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commandment. And that man, after God's own heart, was none other than David, whom we read about at the outset of this story. So that, that story goes on. So Eliab stepped forth and, it, you know, God said, nope, not the one. And the rest of David's sons stepped forward before the prophet Samuel and God said, not the one, not the one. This went on. And it was, it was so insulting because by the time it got off, you know, I'm sure Sam was going, what is going on here? I know the Lord said one of Jesse's sons is going to be king and, and, and all these sons are going. And he, go, and he says to Jesse, do you have any more kids? Any more sons? Oh, oh, right. That one out there in the field. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, really? The prophet comes to town. You know, you have all this sacrifice and all this kerfuffle and all this good time happening. And you ain't even think about your boy out there in the field. But he calls for, for, for David, and of course, when David's dusty for him, Samuel takes that flask of oil and he anoints David. This is the one. But it wasn't because of David's looks, right? Because God looks at the heart, right? This David was a man after his own heart. Verse, uh, I'm sorry, Acts 13, 22 gives us a little bit that we're shifting, but this is, you know, New Testament reflecting on the old. And Acts 13, 22 says, but God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. 
Unlike Saul's heart, David's heart was aligned with God's. God said, I can use a man like that. I can use a man like that. And let me tell you how God made that determination. It wasn't rocket science. Right? He made that determination. The determination that Saul was out of alignment and the determination that David was in alignment by the same measurement. Saul wouldn't do everything that God commanded him to out of alignment. David would do everything that God told him to in alignment. So if you're wondering today, because you know all these sermons come home to us, right? (laughs) We're not just here to hear warm, fuzzy stories. It's going to come in for a landing. It's going to hit us right where we live. If you want to determine where you stand, do you do everything that God commands you to do or not? Alignment is critical in God's kingdom. It is critical. This is not a democracy. Right? Yes, his kingdom is not just this location. Right? His kingdom, you can say, encompasses this whole world. Right? There are pieces of his kingdom all over, but we don't get to do our own things. We can be unique in our diversity. You know, we can be unique in the way we operate. In other words, you know, what, what, what song is first and if we do this, we can be unique. But, we, but there are some things that they're universal. And I'm going to talk about some of those universal things. But the, the bottom line is, whatever God says for us to do, if you're going to be in alignment with God, we have to do. Like it or not. Right? I'm sure that Saul, some of the goofy decisions he made, because maybe he didn't like what God commanded him to do. I'm sorry, you don't get to make the rules. You don't get to submit proposals for improvement. I, I, I don't like that scripture, Jesus. I don't like that command. You know, can we consider you know, changing that one? I want to do No, not a democracy. And we understand the criticalness of alignment when it comes to things like, let's, let's talk about something that we all are maybe perhaps more familiar with. Look up, talk about marriage. I mean, if you're married in here, raise your hand. Good bit of married folk in here, okay? Yeah. You understand how critical alignment is when it comes to marriage, right? In fact, Amos says, how can two walk unless they agree? We, we, refer, we, we, we use that verse. Agreement means you're aligned. Because if you're not in alignment, you know, if Arch's doing his thing, I'm picking my own husband, right? If Arch's doing his own thing and I'm, on, I'm doing my own thing and we, we, can't, we can't walk, you know, you want to go right and I want to go left and, and it's just not going to work that way. Right? And we, those, those are some of the challenges that we face in, mar- in marriages, that we need to stay aligned. Right? When you go to pick a mate, it's important to pick a mate who's in line. If you're a Christian, that means that man needs to be, well, that woman needs to be in line with God. And if you're in line with God and they're in line with God, it's all good. But if you got a woman going to the left and a man going to the right, there's going to be no agreement. Right? That's going to be a, a, a stressful, hectic well, probably not a good marriage, All right? So if you get to pick, some of you young folks who haven't picked yet, this is not my sermon about marriage today. Some of you young folks haven't been picked yet. That's what you want to, you, you want to base that. What thus saith the Lord? And I'm going to look for me, a man or a woman whose heart is after God, All right? That makes for a good marriage because then God is the one heading up that. Not you and not me, because, again, we all have our own ideas about how things can be. If you give it to God, we're going to flow much better. 
So we understand alignment when it comes to marriages. But alignment matters in other areas, maybe, maybe less important. Right? Alignment matters when it comes to things, and y'all gonna think I'm crazy when I say this, and I, I got a funny story, to, right? When it comes to your washing machine. You said, now how this woman get from Sammy the prophet, right? To marriage, to the washing machine. I can't help it, I, I'm, I'm weird that way. You know, I, 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 anybody's ever had that washing machine out of alignment? Like you put stuff all to the right somehow, you know? Sometimes I wash, I, I wash clothes at night before I go to bed. And if you put that stuff too far to one direction or the other, you hear the washing machine go, kakunka, kakunka, kakunka. It makes it crazy. And you go, what is that? You think somebody's trying to break in your house, but it's your washing machine. Because right? it's out of alignment. I'm, I'm just trying to hit some things that you guys understand, like where, where we live, when things are out of alignment. In fact, I knew this sermon was from God when my mama called me yesterday. I had already written this out. My mama called me yesterday. And she go, well, I got to get a new sewing machine. I mean, I got to get a new washing machine. I said, Mama, you just got a washing machine. She, she just got a washing machine. You know how mamas tell you everything. She lives in Alabama, so I don't get to see her all the time. And she goes, yeah, but I think that thing's out of alignment. I said, oh, that's my word. <laughs> they don't think I'm so spiritual, right? Oh, that's it. I had already had it. I said, Mama, I know exactly what you're talking about, right? In fact, it was so out of alignment that it broke. It wouldn't work anymore. You know, she had to call the people in and she just bought it from and said, look, this thing ain't working. I got a teaser for a minute. She goes, I didn't tell them I, I, it was out of alignment. It was something she did. I can't think something she thought she did anyway that, that jacked it up. But anyway, that was my comfort. I said, oh, that was you, Jesus. Washing machines in alignment. But you get the point, especially if it ever happened to you. It, 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 it's just wonky. Well, one other thing that we all familiar with is your car. Right? When those tires get out of alignment, you know, we don't, we don't like to go to the deal or we don't like to go because we, we think it's going to cost us a lot of money, right? Anybody know that when something goes wrong with your car, you hear a funny sound or something start dragging, and you go, oh, because cars equal money. Every time something ain't right, you say, oh, I got to go put out some more money in this car. It's always something. But, but can I tell you that you're avoiding fixing the problem is actually costing you more money, more than likely? Yeah, because when your car is out of alignment, what happens? Your, your tires wear unevenly. You know, they, they, one bald on the outside, maybe one, you know, something wonky. And if you really neglect it long enough, you know, it'll do like that washing machine. Wonka, 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 wonka. Well, you know, over time, right? It'll, it'll, get that, it'll get that crazy noise going if you, if you really, right? But it costs you more gas, right? Because things are not in alignment. Things are not it, uh, uh, the way they're supposed to be. And so you, you actually can cost yourself more in potential damage or gas and those kind of things because... Your cars, how you get this drag? You know, you don't. Your car don't flow right. Because we all like it when we buckle down and take our car to the shop, and we get an alignment. Oh, and especially if you get four new tires at the same time, woo! That's a smooth ride right there. You know, even if you got a hoopty, you get an alignment and four new tires. It's like butter. You're like, yeah, it just, it feels good. Right? It even feels good when you ride, right? But when, when your car's wonka, 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 you know, you go in there and you're like, man, you know, everybody can hear it. When you, when you turn it, wonka, 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 you know, they hear it. When that person go get an alignment, what's wrong with them? Right? You, you, it's, and and so, so it's funny how we kind of put up with these things that we know are not optimal when they're solutions, when there's things we can do about them. So it's very costly also when our hearts 
are not aligned with God's. You can put my title slide up there, Tina, if you want. When our hearts are not aligned with, with God. I want you to think about today the condition of your heart as I'm bringing this message. When our hearts aren't in line with God, like Saul, we do stuff we're not supposed to do. Right? Go back and read the story. You'll know what I'm talking about if you don't already. You'll do stuff you're not supposed to do. You'll, 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 you'll do some and not all. You'll pick and choose how you want to follow God or which commandments you want to believe. Which commandments apply to you? You know, you'll find out that there's more than 10 of them. Some of you think that's it. 10 commandments, that's it. Oh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Those 10 are loaded. But there's more than that. Yeah. When, when your heart is out of alignment with God, you'll be frustrated because of that drag. I'm telling you, when you're not in sync with God, life stinks. Right? And we ignore it. We push it down. Right? But life, life isn't quite what it's supposed to be. I'm going back to my car analogy. When them tires right and your car's all aligned, maybe it's that new car smell, you know how you get all the, all the things right, and you and you just flowing, you're like, yes. But when, I, when your life is going wonka, 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 right, I mean, right, right, I'm telling you, you're out of alignment with God. You're not where you want to be, even though you're not where you used to be. Right? Some improvement, but you're in this cycle, you know, that, like that off-kilter washing machine. You know, it just, it just ain't right. And you, you're trying to put your finger on it. I hope, I want you to think about this today. Maybe you didn't think about that. Maybe it's not obvious to you that your heart is out of alignment with God. Maybe it's these kind of symptom things going on. You're trying to figure out what's been going on. You know? I'm supposed to have joy, but I don't, and, and, and I'm supposed to be, you know, I, I belong to Christ, and so, you know, I'm supposed to have this life more abundant, but, man, I, I, don't, I don't feel the abundance. I don't recognize the abundance. Oh, whatever, you, you, and you, something ain't right. I'm telling you today, your heart is out of alignment with God. You're not in your pocket. What I mean by that, in your pocket, right? God is the only one that can direct you to your pocket. You're just off, and you've been that way for a minute. And you may be wondering, when will this change? I've all been, I've been in that place myself. When will this change? Something ain't been right for a while. I'm telling you this morning that they will change when you take your heart to the master shop, and I'm using my car analogy, and you submit to his will and allow him to do an alignment on your heart. I can't do it. I don't have the skill. And I'm a man, right? I look on the heart, meaning I'm a human, right? I, I, look, I, I too, like you, tend to, tend to look on the outer, right? It's human nature. That's why we got to be in sync with God, because he's the one. Right? He's the discerner of the hearts and mind. He's the one that can divide the thoughts from the intent. He's the one that will give us discernment. But if you're out of sync, then you won't have that right discernment. You call something good bad and something bad good, and, 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 and we, we won't have it right. So you got to take your heart to the master shop. 
You ever been to the dealership as opposed to some of them little podunk places? And the dealership knows the specs for your car. They know the specs for your specific car. They know what this number's supposed to be and that number's supposed to be. And, and they get that baby right. See, God is your manufacturer, right? He's the one that created you. He knows the specs for your heart, right? He knows the specs. He wants to get you in alignment. He wants you to be your best. And your best self only comes when you're aligned with him. Then and only then will you step into God's will because it's in that place where those connections are made. Again, I'm talking about alignment, right? When everything is where it's supposed to be. It's when you're in that place that his plan for you can flow, can flow freely. And don't think for one minute that being aligned with God means that you have to be perfect. At the outset, I read you about this next king that, that, David, uh, that God was going to anoint. We know that king was David. And poor David. Poor David can never live down the few mistakes that we read about anyway. I'm sure he made more. But he can't read it down. But let me tell you, David was very much a man like you and me. He was a man after God's own heart, but he was fallible. Right? He would blow it sometimes. Right? In fact, he blew it on several fronts. Epically, not just little missteps, like he blew it big time. He was still a man after God's own heart. You know why? Because he wanted what God wanted. He loved what God loves. And he came and went at God's direction. Yes, sir. His heart was aligned with God's. And when David blew it, he did what God said to do. He repented. Yeah. He kept his heart in the master's shop. You're going to read. We love to go back to Psalm 51, right? After the, the, the most epic thing that we know of that David did when David, you know, sinned and, and, and laid with Bathsheba, right? This man after God's own heart failed. His flesh got the best of him one day, right? You and I, our flesh gets the best of us one day. We shouldn't be living there. It shouldn't be every day, but it happens. So, so David had one of those epic fails and, and he blew it big time and he was embarrassed before his whole kingdom. And he gave us one of the greatest Psalms ever, in my opinion. Created me a clean heart. Renew within me a right spirit. Right, David said, I got to get my heart back in the sink with God. I want to be right with him above all things. I don't want to be out here doing my own thing. Doing my own thing hurts people. Doing my own thing messes me up, messes my family up, right? Messes my community up. The, the, the mistakes that David made had huge ripple effects. You know, lies were lost. You know, his integrity was, was impugned. Like, David said, no, I need to take my heart to God's shop and get myself back together again. He couldn't do it on his own. You can't do it on your own. You got to take it to God. And you got to be real. Because David was real. David, hey, when, when, when the prophet showed up and called David out, David said, that man is me. I'm guilty. Right? As long as you're around here fronting, acting like it's not you. Acting like you all together, you know, saying all the right things and, and, and checking all the right boxes, whatever. God, okay, God is the one who looks on the heart. So you can fool me and I can fool you, but you can't fool God. It's a futile attempt to fool God. He looks right through us, right to the core of us. He knows what we're made of. He says, I need a man. All of you actual men, males, say he needs me. Come on, all the males in here. He needs me. 
All you ladies, he needs me. Yeah, to have a heart after his. Yeah. So many of us discount our value. And in general, um, we, we, we discount our value to the kingdom of God. Because we, like God said, we look not only on the appearance of others, but we look on the appearances of ourselves. Yeah. We, we look at ourselves and it says, well, we, we, this is what we say about ourselves. We look at ourselves and we say, well, looks like I'm not worthy. Right? Anybody want to be used by God or using God's kingdom and you've discounted yourself with those words, looks like I'm not worthy. Notice I said looks. Right? Looks like I don't have anything that God can use. Looks. Looks like my struggle with this sin or that sin disqualifies me. Looks like I'm so bent that I can't be aligned with God. I'm telling you today, the devil's a liar. He is a liar. God is able to do all things. And the most broken of you in this place, myself included, God said, I know exactly what to do with you. I made you. I, I, I got the original specs. Like, I was the one that put that man and the woman in that garden. I was the one that created them from scratch, right? I got the originals. I know how to get you closer to that. Let me put it back that way, right? Let me, I know how to get you closer to that. Yeah, in this life, we're going to have trouble. Nobody's going to be perfect. But God can get you more in line, right, with his heart and what he intended for you in the first place. But you got to keep it real. You got to let God do that. You, you, you got you to gotta quit looking on the outside, even of you. In fact, really, that's the only person you need to be examining is you. Because when you look at me and discount me, you already messed up. God said, get the money at your own eye first. Right? Turn the eyes around to yourself. You may look at yourself and say, well, I don't measure up. Right? I, I, don't, I don't look like what a servant of God should be. So we're also bad about looking on the appearance of things. Right? We look around here. Right? This, is a, this, is a, this is a church that there's a lot of detail involved. Some of you might not even know that. You just kind of come and go. You float in every Sunday. You float out every day. You don't even pay attention. Ooh, you just think everything happens by magic, right? <laughs> right? You're just like, ooh, you know, this is such a great place. Oh, everything is so organized. Everything is so, you know, you just, ooh, you're just floating around, right? And it looks like everything is taken care of. They don't need me, right? Talking about how we look at things. Versus everything is good around here. Beersley's got it. That pastoral team's got it. Them few folk we see, they got it. Right, we look at the appearance of things and we say, oh, everything's taken care of. Or we look at things and we say, oh, there's no place for me. Yeah. Or looks like somebody else should be doing that. Right? Anything, anything with you. It looks like somebody else should be doing this or doing that. Y'all know where I'm heading, right? I, I really hadn't planned this, and, but you know how God does. He, he, again, he don't, he don't care what I got to say. I said, Lord, I sound like a broken record. He said, say it. Right? Some of you, some of you preachers know about that. I mean, when it seems like God gave you a message over and over again, you say, I gotta say that one again. Yes, ma'am. Get up there and say what I say what I told you to say. Yes, sir. So, so here we go. Today we're there were about hundred and what, 103 strong in here? Normally we're about 150 or so. Right? That's a lot of bodies if you think about it. Right? Much, much more than when we started off with about nine that early on. Many more here than, than, than we ever had before. It's just a half. Eight and a half folk. I'm telling you, God has been good. We're a lot more than eight and a half folk up in here. Right? It's the truth. We, we're about 30 years better than we were at the outset. 
And you're probably tired of hearing about this, but let me put it about this. Yeah, we, we're about 150 strong in here. Do you know what we can accomplish for God if all of our hearts are aligned with God's? Do you know what we can do? Right? I'm not talking about no functioning because I know we're talking about functioning as a tasky kind of things around here, right? It seems like a bunch of tasks, but all those tasks and all, of, all that function is for a purpose. There are millions of people in this county. There are souls that God wants to reach for him. And we can't be flitting in and out. Oh, you know, nothing supplies to me. No, you're a part of this body. You're a part of this kingdom. Get your walk and walk yourself in line. Right? I'm serious. Come on, take your heart to Jesus. Get in line. God wants you to be a part of this thing that he's doing. Quit disqualifying yourself. Quit disqualifying yourself. For goodness sake, there are giants to slay. Right? That's one of the first things David did when David, you know, got acquainted with, with King Saul and went down to the army. And that, you know, we all know the story about Goliath. Right? It's a popular story. Right? No, our giants are not any man, but our giant is the prince in the power of this air. He's trying to take your loved ones out. He's trying to take my loved ones out. He's trying to take this community out. He don't care nothing about us. His heart long hasn't been aligned with God. And if you know the saying, misery loves company, misery loves company, right? He can't go, so he want to take us with him. He want to take this community with him. But you and I, filled with the Spirit of God, we have power with God, right? But you are ineffective if your heart is not aligned with God. If God is flowing over here and you over here, well, come on, how that's going to work? Right? Just think about your plumbing. Undo your pipes on this thing and turn one this way and turn one that way and see what happens. Right? The water will not go where it's supposed to. Right? Nor will God's blessing go where it's supposed to when you're out of line with him. Right? God wants to not only lead like he did with David, he led David into victory after victory. Right? I mean, people were looking at Israel like, man, Israelites got it going on. You know, David going, they didn't want to see David coming with his army. You think they want to see the prophet coming. Right? David was a warrior. But he wasn't victorious because he was powerful in and of himself. He was, he was powerful because God's anointing was upon him. He was flowing in the will of God. He was aligned with God. So if you think there's some drag around here, right? I know we've been talking about things we're going to do or when this happens. Or what we feel coming, right? And some of you saying, well, when is it going to happen? Maybe it's your will that's out of line. I'm not saying that God is not working. Because God will work in spite of us, just like he did Saul. Oh, dude, you don't want to line up? I'm going to find me another. Because there's always somebody else that want to do what God wanted to do. It's the truth. There's always somebody else. You can't stop God, but you can put a drag on things. Right? You can have us not operate him in, in, at optimum capacity. Right? We're going to move, but we're not here. Wonka, wonka, wonka. Right? Come on. I want you to take your heart to God this morning. Take your, God, your heart to God this morning. Ask God, where am I out of alignment? Help me get my heart right with you, Lord. Right, God wants to lead us into victory. You know, coming up, we, Steve mentioned that we have this volunteer refresh coming up. And some of you are probably sick to death of me mentioning volunteer. But you know what I found out when a message keeps coming over and over again? Right? God is not tone deaf. Like, God is not stupid. When it keeps coming over and over again, that means we're not listening. We're not listening. God gives us ample time to respond. He's not an unjust God. 
And I know sometimes in all the huffle and fuffle of things in church and we're seeing our friends and things are busy and, and, and you know, we're thinking about dinner afterwards and I wish this woman shut up so I can get out here and get to that right now. You know, all those kind of things, right? We, 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 we miss stuff that should be obvious. Right, so right here in this choir, I, I, I want to reiterate to you that we need you. God needs you. Right, your unique you. So this volunteer refresh that's coming up, you can call that, you can look at this as, as a call to the troops. Right, David, David led an army for the glory of the name of the Lord. Right, there's an army right here. You know, when David came down to the battle, and that army was kind of hovering back over in, you know, in the hills, looking at this giant scared to death. We might be looking at that giant, we say, oh, Lord. You might be saying, how are we going to, right? I hope you're not scared of that devil. And you said, that's a weird remark, right? But I hope you're not scared of him because he's powerless, right? Greater is the one in us, right, than him. Like, we have the power to bind him, to rebuke him. We have, the, we have power over him. Right? And I know he cloaks himself in all these grand ways. He makes himself look so big and bad, but he is nothing. And just like David did, when David came down to that battle, he looked over and saw that big Philistine giant. He goes, what? You know, who is this big, ugly Philistine that dares to defy the armies of the living God? Who is the devil that dares to defy God's people? You and I are God's people. If you don't get out of that hilltop and go down that valley and slay that, that giant, I know something. You and me, quit disqualifying yourself. David was a puny little dude. That's the way I see him. He was handsome too, but he don't sound like he was a big guy, right? This giant was nine feet tall at least. And David, because David said, look, it has nothing to do with how I look. It has nothing to do with how skilled I am as a warrior. Because I'm going in the name of the Lord. This is the Lord's battle. People, this is the Lord's battle. But you need to get your heart right with the master. You need to get yourself in line with God. We need to get organized. You know, armies just don't, don't just go out half cocked. You know, who signed up for the army? We all join up and then we just go out, you know, right. No. There's positioning that happens. Some of you need to go here. Some of you need to get right there, right? And who, you know, this weapon first. There, there's, there's strategies that happen. Good army strategize, right? We got a master general, right? He's skilled, right? He needs us to get organized. He needs everybody to find their place. We need to move on from talking about it to doing it. And I believe some of that can get expedited if some of you get off them pews, right? Get off the sidelines. You'll find your place while you're doing. I know it's more challenging sometimes, right? And I, I'm mixing, yes, this heart alignment up with finding your place because, yeah, find your place. Get in, get in tune with God because then what you have to do won't be so important. Your own agenda, your own ways, the things that you think are so important. When you get your heart aligned with God, you're going to find that you're going to prioritize the things of God. Yes, even above your family and above you, you're going to prioritize those. And those things would include your family because God is not, God is not crazy, right? He's the one that wants to give us balance. So he won't call you to do something that's important while, and neglect something that's also important. So when you get your heart aligned with him, you'll find that things start flowing the way they should. Right? I got time to do this kingdom work. I got time to do what God wants me to do. And I got time for my family. And I got time for my neighbor. And I got time because that's the way God operates. Those people are included. So if you haven't had September 12th, if you don't have that marked down in your calendar as a must, I know there was 103 people here today that heard this. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at you. Right? 
Normally, there's more. They'll, they'll watch it online or they'll... At least 103 people should be showing up here, right? If you are new to us and you're saying, man, this message was not for me today, let me tell you something. It's not true. And I know there are quite a few new folks here. Welcome. Because the first thing you can do, and I don't know where you started from. I don't know where any of you are in your walk. But some of the first steps of obedience to Christ, to get in your heart aligned with him, ought to do what God said, to be a part of his kingdom in the first place. Things like repentance, right? I talked to you earlier about getting, get, being real. Repentance, I'm going to be real, right? You're going to ask God to forgive you for your sins because we all have them. Right? You're going to ask God to forgive you for your sins. God says, yeah, that we need to be baptized. This little, this, this little doohickey over here is a baptismal. It's full. It's full of water, right? That baptism that represents his blood, and we go down with him in baptism, and we're buried with him in Christ, and we come up and we're new. All those nasty sins have been washed away, and all things have became new, and your heart alignment process begins. It's not an instantaneous thing, but it begins. Getting your heart right with him, following him. And then there's this beautiful thing that he gives us called his spirit. You want to talk about something awesome? He gives you his spirit. He don't make you pay for it. In fact, you can't pay for it. You don't have to beg for it, right? But he gives it to you, right? When you open your mouth and you praise him and you ask him to give you his spirit, he wants to give you that spirit that empowers you. In fact, that spirit gets in you and it takes that old nasty stony heart that we all had. Notice I said had, because if you've been born again, God has replaced that stony heart with a heart of flesh, a heart that he can write on. What is he writing? He's writing his commands. He's writing his will on your heart. So if you're new here, those waters of baptism are available to you today. No appointment necessary. You can come here old and leave here new, right? Right? Talk about going to the master shop, right? He can make you new. You can receive his spirit that helps you and empowers you to live for him. He don't just leave you here on your own to figure it out. So this message is for all this morning, for each and every one of you. God wants to bless you. God wants your heart to be aligned with his. You can come to this altar. And I want you to come. I want you to pray. You talk to God about your heart. I'm a man. I'm afraid y'all gonna keep saying, this woman keeps saying she's a man, but you get my point. I'm a human, right? I don't know the condition of your heart. I can speculate, but God knows. Talk to the Father this morning, right? Ask him to, Get your heart in line with his. You want to please him. You want to serve him. You want to be in the right place with him. You want to be accepted and not rejected. Get your heart in line with God.